0: Welcome to the
1: Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor, Amanda Buckle. And I'm Seafood Market Reporter, Lauren de This episode of the Seafood News Podcast is brought to you by Erner Barry, the trusted source for benchmark pricing in the food and agriculture industry for over 160 years. The company has successfully completed an independent review of its price reporting methodology and control procedures, confirming Erner Barry's processes are aligned with the International Organization of Securities Commission's principles for price reporting agents. Call 732-240-5330 or go to urnaberry.com to register for a free demonstration.
0: Of course, the big story across the globe is Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Obviously, a lot is changing each day, even by the hour. So we're just going to break down this little bit regarding uh, the U.S. Treasury's unprecedented and expansive sanctions against Russia. The goal of these sanctions is to impose swift and severe economic costs on the Russian economy and financial system, both immediate and in the long term. Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen said in a statement that the Treasury is taking serious and unprecedented action to deliver swift and severe consequences to the Kremlin and significantly impair their ability to use the Russian economy and financial system to further their malign activity. Yellen continued that the U.S.'s actions, taken uh, taken in coordination with partners and allies, will degrade Russia's ability to project power and threaten the peace and stability of Europe. We are united in our efforts to hold Russia accountable for its further invasion of Ukraine while mitigating impacts to Americans and our partners. If necessary, we are prepared to impose further costs on Russia in response to its egregious actions.
1: As the U.S. Treasury explained, Russia's large financial services sector is heavily dominated by state-owned actors that rely on the U.S. financial system to conduct their business activities both within Russia and internationally. The The sanctions imposed by the U.S. cut off major parts of the Russian financial system and economy from access to this important financial structure and the U.S. dollar more broadly. Impacted by these sanctions are Russia's two largest financial institutions, Public Joint Stock Company, Sberbank of Russia, and VTB Bank, Public Joint Stock Company. According to the U.S. Treasury, these financial institutions conduct about $46 billion worth of foreign exchange transactions globally, of which 80% are in U.S. dollars. Cutting off those two banks from processing payments through the U.S. financial systems, mean that they will no longer benefit from the reach, efficiency, and security of the U.S. financial systems.
0: U.S. banks will have 30 days to unwind any accounts payable corresponding links to the major Russian banks. According to Sifa News founder John Sackton, this means that a letter of credit for CRAB today will be honored, but the banks will be unwinding these relationships, so going forward, they will not be honored. According to John, U.S. banks will have 30 days to unwind any accounts payable corresponding links to the major Russian banks. This means that a letter of credit for crap today will be honored, but the banks will be unwinding these relationships, so going forward, they will not. As John noted in his latest Wine and Glass column, the seafood industry has experienced several, uh, several disruptive sanction regimes over the past eight years, one recent example being the sacrifice of U.S. lobster exports to China as part of a misguided pressure strategy. The U.S. had achieved a 50% market share with the Canadians taking the other half. After the sanctions, the U.S. share dropped to 25%. Canadian producers gained customers and flexibility, and U.S. producers lost value, and two years later, when the sanctions were removed, exports still did not completely bounce back. In addition to crab, cod, haddock, and salmon from Russia are also an important part of the U.S.'s overall supply, and not being able to purchase supply from Russia means that prices could soar to above their current historical highs.
1: So in other news, last month, Alaska's Department of Fish and Game surveyed the 15 main salmon processing companies that intend to purchase sockeye salmon in Bristol Bay in 2022. The annual survey helps estimate total intended purchases, daily and season-long processing capacity, and tender fleet capacity. This year, with a record 60 million sockeye projected harvest, the numbers from the survey and ADF&G's preliminary prediction of harvest don't match. The projected harvest is a record-breaking 60 million salmon sockeye. Uh, Processors intend to buy 52 million sockeyes and have a daily processing capacity of 3 million fish. That leaves a projected gap of 8 million fish needing to be processed or even more if the run estimate is low or if it comes in concentrated surges, as it has done in the past. The tender capacity,
0: which is purchasing fish from the fishermen on the grounds and delivering them to the processors on shore, will be provided by 10 companies this year, with a total holding capacity of 9 million fish. Three of these companies will also provide long-haul tenders in 2022, delivering to at least four locations outside of Bristol Bay. The daily capacity of the Bristol Bay long-haul tender fleet is 650,000 fish. Even though the processor's intention of producing 52 million fish total is 10 million fish, or 25% higher than the last survey in 2019, it's not enough. The increase is attributed by processors, three established companies who increased their processing capacity by 20 to 30 percent this year, and two companies new to the survey in 2019 have expanded about by 5 percent uh, each. The Bristol Bay Regional Seafood Development Association comments on the processing capacity shortfall and what it would mean not only to the fleet, but to the community and the sockeye return itself.
1: Of course, earnings could be lost. The BBRSDA says that fishermen could lose out on well over $100 million if Bristol Bay does not have adequate processing capacity. There could also be a lost tax revenue for local and state government. And another issue is that the surplus sockeye that head up the river and escapement goals could be exceeded. This could inflict biological damage, which could eventually result in smaller runs and even greater economic losses.
0: In other news, the U.S. Coast Guard discovered illegally caught halibut about 12 nautical miles northeast of Kodiak, Alaska on February 19th, thanks to a law enforcement boarding team. The crew of the cutter Bailey Barco, homeported in Ketchikan, uh, Alaska, boarded the 38 foot fishing vessel competition and discovered 18 halibut and one ling cod on board that were retained while the season was closed. The crew then seized the catch and issued violations for possessing halibut during a closed fishery. Um, They also did not have a current commercial fishing vessel safety examination.
1: The seized catch was transferred to NOAA Office of Law Enforcement Officers in Kodiak. The latest update from the Coast Guard said NOAA is currently investigating the illegal retention of fish. The Coast Guard does not play around. No, they don't. So moving along, we're only a few weeks away from Seafood Expo North America, and the show organizers, Diversified Communications, are continuing to keep attendees and exhibitors up to date on the latest health and safety procedures. The latest news is that the show will no longer require proof of vaccination. So we talked
0: about this on the podcast before, but for whoever missed it, Diversified was requiring attendees and exhibitors to show proof of COVID vaccination in order to enter the venue. The requirement was part of the City of Boston's Be Together policy, which mandated that individuals show proof of vaccination to enter certain indoor spaces in the city, including restaurants, bars, fitness facilities, and of course, convention centers and uh, exhibition halls, among other indoor recreational centers. However, with cases of COVID-19 decreasing, Mayor Michelle Wu announced in mid-February that the city would be lifting that mandate immediately. Mayor Wu said that the public health data shows that we're ready to take this step in our recovery. And the news highlights how much progress that the city has made in the fight against COVID-19, thanks to vaccines and boosters, which have always been our most effective weapon against the pandemic.
1: Diversified has since updated their own health and safety policy for the Boston Seafood Show, confirming that attendees and exhibitors will no longer be required to show proof of vaccination against COVID-19 in order to attend the event. But with that said, the city still has a mask mandate in place, meaning that anyone in a public indoor space will be required to wear a mask in the venue. Winter Cremont, the event director at Diversified Communications, added in an email to all registered attendees and exhibitors that could. COVID testing uh, will still be available to those who need it on site. Those who require testing for return travel will be able to use Diversified's on-site testing partner All Clear.
0: The Boston show will be here before we know it. And uh, and who knows, maybe by then even the the mask mandate will change. So I know things are changing pretty quickly.
1: Yes, they are. Hopefully
0: all for the better. Exactly. So we'll keep you updated. But that does it for us today. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you back here next week.
1: Bye-bye.